Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Ed Jurdy from the Band of Heathens, and you're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Pleased, as always, to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, uh, available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. Um, So, yes, um, we are going to call this episode How Lars Ulrich Invented Hair Metal. I know it's a bit of a provocative title, but uh, but let me explain. So essentially what we're going to get here is a birth of hair metal episode. Um, but why this title? So, okay, so give you a little uh, history, uh, prehistory before we get into our first song. So essentially nothing was happening in, uh, in L.A. in terms of hard rock and heavy metal uh, in the late 70s, moving into the 1980s. We had Van Halen, of course, uh, kind of a bridge band, started at a very strange time, 1978 debut album. They all they have another album in 79. They're cooking right along, right? I mean, they started in 74-ish, 73-ish, uh, depending on where you count. Um, but they're, they're here doing something in L.A., that pretty much nobody else is doing. There are a few other uh, guitar-y type bands around, but it's essentially punk rock, skinny tie, new wave. Uh, over in the UK, we have the new wave of British heavy metal, which is kind of um, coming to a close, let's say, by 1982, 1983. But an interesting thing is happening over there with that music. Okay, so it's the first big heavy metal uh, movement uh, where where everybody's proud to be metal, we're identifying with metal, the album covers look heavy metal. But those writers over there for Kerrang! always love the American stuff. And maybe it's a little bit of the grass is greener on the other side, but... Um, 6,000 miles away, they were loving anything with any sort of um, uh, melody uh, coming out of the States. They used to call it Wimpem. You know, we're, we're lo- you know they, they would give us these treatises, treaties on, uh, on late 70s music bands like Journey and Styx, uh, Pomp Rock, Night like New England and Balance and Touch. Um, they loved all this stuff with uh, 
with you know these big choruses, these big productions, it's almost as if they uh, can, could see through uh, you know the ruse that was uh, that was the new wave of British heavy metal bands. They're locals who are down at the pub. They did not have the same sort of mystique for that music that we had. They had a mystique for this music six thousand miles away across the ocean and across all of America over in California. Okay, so. Um, yeah, and basically all all kind of American music in general, Canadian music too. They loved Triumph, they loved Rush, they loved Max Webster, uh, they loved Brian Adams when he came around. Um, so essentially, uh, it's almost as if uh, in the journalist class, the seed was sown for the new wave of British heavy metal to end, and this new kind of melodic music, uh, music that was easier on the ears, frankly, and was more about kind of boy-girl stuff and not, you know, ghosts and goblins and demons, uh, and even just saying how metal we are. Um, so, essentially, the new wave of British heavy metal is in big trouble by about 1983. Now, why I call this episode How Lars Ulrich Invented Hair Metal, I really mean how Brian Slagle invented hair metal. And essentially what we have here is the idea of the super fan in L.A. Lars Ulrich and Brian were buddies. You've got a whole journalist class over there with Bob Nalbandian and Ron Quintana and Bill Hale as a photographer, John Strednansky, all these people. Brian Slagle himself was, uh, you know, he had his own fanzine. He was working at Oz Records before he started Metal Blade. So essentially what you have here is who's going to build a heavy metal culture? Well, there's no music coming out of the area, so it's it's people loving the imports, loving the new wave British heavy metal. So the so who's going to build a heavy metal culture? It's the it's the uh, super fan base, and the super fan base is people uh, like uh, Lars Ulrich and Brian Slagle and and uh, Dave Mustaine, uh, you know Joey Vera from uh, from. Armored Saint. So all of these people kind of built this excitement around heavy metal. Now, the other reason, uh, you know, I, I really, like I say, wanted to call this more like how, how Brian Slagle invented hair metal. Here's a very important thing about all of this. So Brian Slagle starts a, a heavy metal label called Metal Blade Records, and he puts out samplers to start with. Uh, metal, metal Massacre comes out in 1982. Now, this is famous because Metallica... Metallica's first music is on the first Metal Massacre sampler, but there's also Malice, there's also Steeler, and there's also even Rat. So, uh, so you know, we're looking at uh, basically a complete heavy metal culture. You know what I what I kind of joke around and called poverty metal uh, because there's a lot of kind of bad productions and stuff in this meat and potatoes proto power metal stuff I call po- poverty metal. But there's there's hair metal. There's a new kind of speed metal. You know, nascent speed metal moving into thrash with Metallica and very early Slayer, which is also part of the the Brian Slagle camp. Um, so Brian Slagle is in here. Uh, it, Breeding and excitement, Brian and his buddy Lars, uh, for uh, for all forms of heavy metal, frankly. But the heavier, the better. As as time is uh, as time moves on, um, so yeah, so so coming out of coming out of this new wave, this punk culture, this lack of all things heavy, is this new enthusiastic breed of uh, of heavy metal fan. Some of them are journalists, some of them are musicians. Now, 
Let's get into a little bit of music because that's kind of what this is about. I'm proving the point of what we're doing and this time in on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. It is the birth of heavy metal or how Lars Ulrich invented hair metal. Um, let's take a little listen to this and then we shall discuss. This is Dawkin with Seven Thunders. Take a listen. Fire. All right, so Dawkin. Why is Dawkin here? So it's kind of a, a cool story. Don Dawkin, I could have called this episode How Don Dawkin Invented Hair Metal because what happens is Dawkin has an album out called Breaking the Chains that comes out on a French label called Career, famous for uh, being the label that, uh, that put out all the early Saxon stuff. Um, so they have this record come out in 1981, but it doesn't come out in America yet. It's called Breaking the Chains. It is reissued in 1983 in America. But for now, 1981, what you have here is uh, is essentially the blueprint for hair metal. Now, I could have included something like, um, you know, Def Leppard on through the night into high and dry as well uh, in this discussion. But I wanted to keep this more or less uh, American because this is such an American phenomenon. So Dawkin, what you get here is you get essentially a new wave of British heavy metal sound, but with a super clean vocalist and boy-girl talk. You know, it's it's almost a prima donna type vocalist. They look pretty. They're pretty looking guys. Juan Cruchet from Rat is in the band, uh, you know, soon to be uh, in Rat. He's in the band. Um, you get your first sort of guitar shredder outside of Eddie Van Halen in George Lynch. And you get this package of a sound that I remember when I got this album, you know, you, you started thinking, hey, you know, this new wave of British heavy metal stuff is a little dodgy and ropey at times. This is kind of interesting. It's, it's almost like these Americans are subtly proving that they're better than the British, that they can do something better than the British or give you something more accessible, more professional. And what's wrong with a little bit of melody? What's wrong with a little bit of technically perfect singing and not a lot of yarg and screaming? And what's wrong with a with a great guitar solo and a great shredder and great production? Um, so right off the bat, you get you, you start thinking, hmm, this is kind of like this is a this is a sound that's kind of important, um, that might take over from the new wave of British heavy metal. Okay, so um, moving on, uh, let's play another tune, and this is also from 1981. This is Motley Crue with "On with the Show." Take a listen. Okay, so why is Motley Crue in here? A little more obvious, I suppose. Motley Crue puts out their debut album, 
on Leather Records. Uh, on with the show, I picked this song because it's kind of like the prototype of a power metal ballad. Um, now, now Motley Crue's kind of an odd interesting band. I mean, as you can hear on this song, the drumming is all over the place. Tommy Lee is almost like the Keith Moon of this new music. But okay, so you get a power metal ballad here, but you also get a a links back to the earlier definition of glam with that whole, um, you know, the UK thing that happened from about 71 to 75. You get this twangy lead singer in Vince Neil, a different kind of strange vocal that you don't normally expect. And Motley Crue, you get a band name, you know, with the funny spelling and the umlauts, the over-the-top sort of name that that becomes the prototype, more or less, of uh, of many um, kind of um, hair metal band names. Uh, you get the cover, you get the leather and the gloves, and and so you're you're starting to see a. Um, a, a a hair metal look, a glam metal look. Um, and you also get with these guys the lifestyle. You get the crazy party band like Down on the Sunset Strip, the drugs, the women, the booze. So Motley Crue are essentially the template, the perfect almost cartoony template of a hair metal band. You get the big hair. You know, you get the big spiky black hair sticking up. You get, you get some makeup. You get the pyro. You kind of get the whole package with this. The only thing you don't get, and Nikki Six is right, to um you know he he kind of bristles at being called a hair metal band you know later the music can be very hair metally but but at this point there really is no template for the music um so you get a very interesting recording and like i say this this odd sort of drum performance throughout the speeding up the slowing down it doesn't sound like a click track was used for this stuff um you just get this very cool explosive sound maybe a little bit of hanoi rocks to it as well um but yeah so motley crew um definitely are in there early like we aren't into the hair metal years yet so this is why motley crew is important in here this is 1981 so so you get an album released in america essentially in california so this is this is a um this is you know hair metal ground zero central you get a hair metal album coming out like i say the docking really does not come out uh in america it's it's a french record at this point um so there you go. There's 1981. This is probably a good time to take a bit of a break and hear from our sponsors. When we dropped the first few episodes of Rock and Roll Archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago, little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob, and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at PantheonPodcast.com. Keep up the rockin'. 
All right, so back again, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Moving on in an episode I provocatively call How Lars Ulrich Invented Hair Metal, but it is essentially uh, the birth of hair metal. Um, okay, let's let's play some music and then we shall discuss. So this is Rat with You Got It off the Rat EP, their independently uh, released uh, first, uh, first, first release, an EP from 1983. You Got It, take a listen. Your party home like a rollers You listen while you can But there's only one out to lead So live it while you can Okay, so Rat, we are now into 1983. This is, this is essentially the ground zero year for hair metal proper. We've got the lead up to it with, uh, with Motley Crue and Dawkins. We've got the bridge band, the kind of the template band, uh, which we haven't played music from because I wanted to go hair metal proper with this. But that bridge band, of course, is Van Halen. If you want to reach back, it's Kiss, it's Aerosmith, it's Led Zeppelin. So the, so the guys making the music at this point... Um, are essentially coming from that particular 70s vibe. So Rat comes along, and big excitement about this band right off the bat. They they have this new look that is kind of a hair metal look that comes, again, a little bit, frankly, from Steven Tyler. Um, but they are, they are looking the part. They are sounding the part. They've got their own embedded shredder in Warren D. Martini. Very important thing about hair metal is this guitar heroic thing. Um, so... You know, at this point, we've we've had essentially coming up through the ranks. We had Eddie Van Halen, George Lynch, uh, someone we haven't talked about yet, Randy Rhodes with Quiet Riot, and we have Warren DiMartini with uh, with Rat. They're they're four of the pretty pretty much important guys. I'm sure I'm forgetting a few. Um, but Rat come along. They put out this independent EP. Everybody in the metal community loves it. It's pretty darn heavy. I mean, Rat, you know, becomes quintessentially the early hair metal band, I suppose, through Out of the Cellar and and uh, Invasion of Your Privacy. And that look, definitely. Uh, everything about them kind of screams hair metal, but they're very sophisticated. I mean, this is like Aerosmith quality sophistication in terms of the arrangements. It's pretty heavy. You got this cool vocalist, uh, you know, kind of a gruff voice in Stephen Piercy. He's a prolific writer. Uh, that's a really a cool thing about Stephen. Um, but yeah, here you hear a, a pretty heavy song, and the Rat EP was pretty heavy. But a neat thing about this band, again, and it's like it's like uh, the grunge thing later on. There's a bunch of EPs that come out first, and, and that's kind of exciting, and independent releases. And you could tell that there's this cool groundswell of excitement coming up around L.A. metal. And again, it's not exactly hair metal at this point. Thrash is coming up. The middle stuff is coming up, hair metal is coming up, and it comes up again to to sort of summarize what I said in the beginning. It comes up because of a super fan culture. Uh, Lars Ulrich, Brian Slagle, all these writers, photographers, musicians coming up. Okay, so that was Rat. Let's move on. We're up to number four in our history in five songs. Uh, let's take a listen first, and then we shall discuss. This is Great White with On Your Knees. Take it up. 
Okay, now Great White is very um, analogous to Rat. I mean, they had an EP as their first release, uh, an indie on AGN. And who's producing this? Well, it's our buddy Don Dawkin and uh, Michael Wagner, who would go on to be a pretty famous engineer slash producer. Um, throughout this era and into later heavy metal eras. But um, so Great White put out this EP. It has the same five songs on each side. And uh, and many of this, uh, you know, much of this material gets gets um, redone and reissued on their debut LP, which is in 1984. And what is cool about Great White? So again, a hair metal band, um, you know, they've, they've got the big, nice hair. They're pretty looking guys. Um, but they also have a strong, strong bass in, in Led Zeppelin. I believe they were maybe a full-on Led Zeppelin cover band, or they covered a lot of Led Zeppelin. But Jack, um, Jack Russell has a kind of a Robert Planty shriek, which is another one of these sort of uh, cool touchstones of hair metal. You know, there is there is that that line from Robert Plant visually and vocally uh, that comes up, and it comes up through a guy like Jack Russell. Um, they've got their own great guitarists. They also are a band that has kind of a bluesy bass. Now, uh, hair metal in the beginning and as we move on, and then even later, bands would even get more bluesy, uh, you know, uh, going toward their roots, essentially. And their roots are uh, Aerosmith, which is, you know, the bluesy heavy metal version of Rolling Stones, and and Led Zeppelin, who are, who are your British blues boom band. So... Uh, and Ted Nugent, uh, frankly, and even Kiss. Um, so you you come up through this, and so you get in Great White, you get it, you get a Robert Plant, uh, you know, uh, successor, so to speak. You get a bluesy band, you get hair metal, and another big thing I wanted to mention about Great White uh, is this is a band. As we move on. Another hair metal trope is uh, is big kind of novelty covers, and Great White were the kings of that, covering Mott the Hoople and Angel City. Um, they essentially um, most of their big hits uh, were were covers, and that that is something that happens in in hair metal a lot. So so again, 1983, we're at the beginning, an excitement thing where you get an EP, they get signed, they move on to a major label, Capitol. And, uh, and we're off to the races with another early hair metal band. Okay, so moving on, we're up to number five. This is our last one in History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Let's take a listen first and we shall discuss. This is Quiet Riot with Run for Cover. You better get yourself running. All right, so why is Quiet Riot in here? Interesting story, of course. So Quiet Riot um, comes out with their third album. It's uh, it's 1983. It's the first on a major label. Um, they had a couple of albums earlier. Uh, I believe it's just called Quiet Riot and then Quiet Riot 2. But they came out through, I think it's CBS Japan, but only in Japan. Definitely these are Japanese albums. Not metal at all. They're kind of like this weird, strange, wrinkle-your-nose pop sound. They're just crappy. Everybody everybody hates them. They're, they're lousy albums. But 
believe it or not, Randy Rhodes, uh, guitarist. Uh, so Randy Rhodes moves on. He leaves this scene because he moves on. Uh, obviously, he gets hired by Ozzy Osbourne, and he's he's on the very first two Ozzy albums, which are not hair metal albums. They're more like um, new wave of British heavy metal-ish albums, 1980, 1981. So again, this is pre-hair metal. And they're essentially a pan-American Australian British band um, so they're not in this discussion he's gone but he is one of the early shredders that helped uh, build this scene uh, sort of the inspiration coming from really I consider Eddie Van Halen the first guitar hero uh, really after Jimi Hendrix in in a big way and then there are these these new guitar heroes coming up that that build hair metal for us essentially but at this point Carlos Cavazzo is in the band um, and, uh, and Frankie Benelli, um, you know, you've got Rudy Sarzo in here and, and Kevin Dubrow and essentially they're, they're, uh, an early hair metal band, uh, in, in a few ways. Um, they, they look the part, Kevin, not so much. He's got the curly hair, he's losing his hair, but the, but the, you know, the stripy clothes and the stripy mic stands and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, the big overblown drum kit and the big Bonham-esque drum sound. So Quiet Riot, um. They're in here because they, they are kind of a bridge band from the new wave of British heavy metal. And that's why I wanted to play you Run for Cover, because this is a this is a double bass uh, drum song. You know, there are a lot of double bass uh, songs in hair metal, but this is pretty heavy stuff. And this album has a lot of kind of proto earlier sounds on it. Um, but it is a hair metal classic because it goes on to uh, sell six million copies in the states it's a six times platinum album so this is the record essentially the ground zero record that is the first huge record of hair metal it's a california band it's a baby band it's a massive massive record so we're we're off to the races with a with a huge record now granted Motley Crue come along in 1983 with their second record, Shout at the Devil, and they have a huge hit as well. I could have included them in here. Now, the other reason I wanted to include Quiet Riot in here is for the same reason I wanted to include Great White, is that um, they had big hits with novelty covers, uh, Come On, Feel the Noise, and Mama, We're All Crazy Now. They're both Slade covers, and Slade is a band that comes from that original definition of glam rock. So, so Slade is almost like the biggest, heaviest glam band, Slade and Sweet Mud somewhat, uh, from that early thing. And here they are bringing it up. Um, uh, Quiet Ride is bringing that sound up to date with, uh, with good production. This has that quintessential Spencer Proffer, Pasha production sound. Um, also kind of like a, a, a trope of hair metal, these, these big, wet, you know, snare drums, um, and this and this kind of coagulation around the mid range, um, so uh, you know the the reason we actually call hair metal glam metal sometimes. Uh, ob- there's the obvious reason. It's very very glamorous. I mean, these guys when you get into the Poison and the Cinderellas, like they're looking like women. They're all dolled up. There's a little bit of that reach back to New York Dolls, of course, as well. But so the, it's it's a very glamorous look image wise but also you get this this confusion because uh there was an earlier version of glam and here we are conflating the two with these massive slade covers coming out of uh quiet riot so um 
there you have it. I think uh, I think we will stop there. So how Lars Ulrich invented hair metal again? Um, you had to build a heavy metal culture first in L.A., basically from scratch, from nothing. And it's people like Lars Ulrich and Brian Slagle and all these writers and photographers and super fans, essentially, that built that heavy metal culture first. And then it was just uh, kind of a natural that you would get you would get this these happy sounds. You would get you would get thrash, which is probably essentially the antidote to hair metal you know there's some dis- um, disgust with the thrashers at hair metal so thrash comes out of almost a reaction to hair metal in some ways uh, but basically built out of the new wave of British heavy metal but it is it is a sunny place with good weather and the, and the beach and all that so you know beach boys hair metal I mean it all kind of goes together Van Halen um so you do get these happy sounds uh, that is that is hair metal. So um, so yeah. So there is uh, there is how these guys invented hair metal. And again, I, you know, I could have called this how Don Dawkin invented hair metal because he's in there early, kind of kind of putting things together. Um, but yes, essentially, this is an episode that is the birth of hair metal, kind of 1981, 82 into 83 with your first big major label albums. Just a couple of honorable mentions. Well, one really, um, you know, Twisted Sister's kind of an important band in this. Um, Twisted Sister kind of had this glammy hair metal look with the makeup and the big hair uh, and the, you know, and the the clothes with the fringe off them and stuff. But they are a New York band. They were pretty heavy to begin with. Dee Snider's thing, even into their second album, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. Then they had a big album with Stay Hungry in 84, but... Even early on, they didn't quite have that hair metal sound exactly. D has a kind of a big gruff voice, but his whole mandate was he wanted a twin guitar sound, but a simple sound that was a combination of ACDC and Judas Priest. So there's something a little non-hair metal about them anyways, besides uh, being from New York. Okay, enough rambling on. That's it for this episode. Uh, tell me uh, what you think. I mean, you can email me at martinp at inforamp.net. Uh, we have a Facebook page uh, for uh, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Feel free to join. I'm very reactive in there. I'm talking. I want to take your ideas. I'll discuss your ideas uh, with the people, with the listeners. Um, you know, many of these ideas that you're going to hear over the next few episodes are have been generated from that page. I have a regular Facebook page as well that I'm pretty good with. You can go to martinpopoff.com for all my books. I've written 85 books or so on hard rock and heavy metal subjects. One of them is called The Big Book of Hair Metal. Um, but yes, they're all over there with PayPal buttons. I sign them and send them all out from the office. That is it for this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Until next time, go listen to some hair metal. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 